0: Welcome to Higher Consciousness, a series for transcending the ego. My name is Novus Na'um, and in this first episode, we will be discussing the ego and my current understanding at this point in my life. So when I was younger, anytime I heard the word ego, it was usually used to describe someone's behavior or their characteristics. For example, someone might say, so-and-so has a really big ego and i took that to mean that they were conceited and full of themselves there is some accuracy to that use but there's so much more to what the ego is and how it rules most of our lives so from my understanding now the ego is the false self it is this mental construct composed of all these different thoughts and ideas of who we think we are. And we try to upkeep this image all the time. And it is also what produces the involuntary thoughts that flood our mind almost all the time, whether we're just walking down the street or buying some groceries, hanging out with friends, there's this incessant thinking that is happening almost all the time. And something that's taken me a long time to realize is that I am not in control of most of the thoughts that pop into my head. I can't control when they appear or how they appear or their intensity. It's, it's just does whatever it wants. That's what it feels like. And the only times in my life now where I really feel that peace is either in meditation or when I'm trying to actively be mindful. And to kind of touch on meditation really quick, most people I've met have said they've struggled with meditation because they've tried their best to not have any thoughts. So they sit down and close their eyes. And of course, tons of thoughts appear. So they believe that they are meditating incorrectly and they just give up altogether. And I was one of those people too (laughs) in the very beginning because I was frustrated. I didn't understand what I was doing. And the current practice that I do is called Kriya Yoga, and it's taught by my guru named Paramahansa Yogananda. And through his teachings, I have kind of subscribed to the definition of meditation being concentration on God. Meditation is concentration on God. And there's a process to getting to that state. So when we do breath work, and we focus on a mantra, or we do body scans, and all these things, those are all techniques to still the mind. But then once again, even once the mind is still true meditation, according to the teachings I've been um, learning and practicing is that it's concentration on God. But the trouble is, is to get to that higher level of consciousness, the ego is in the way and i'm a highly visual person so the best way that i can describe the ego in relation with the soul is for you to imagine in your mind a ball of white light it's just an orb of light floating in space and this white light is your soul and it is made in the image of god and it's pure love and joy and wisdom and compassion and all those Godlike qualities and surrounding this ball of light is a shell. And this shell is the ego. And I want you to imagine the shell as being fairly opaque, right? It's not really transparent. It's fairly solid, and it surrounds your entire soul. Now, I want you to enter the soul with your in your visual right now and become this ball of light now peer out of it in the first person, right? So you're this ball of light and in front of you is this shell. And this is what's distorting your reality. This is what's filtering everything you experience in life. So whatever is happening behind the shell, which is pretty much your entire life, your, your awareness has to first travel through this shell and interface with it. And that is what you're experiencing day to day. So to me, consciousness is the awareness of the soul as it interfaces with the ego. The more you are aware of your own soul, the higher your consciousness, and the more you are attached and the more you identify with the ego, the lower your consciousness. So the path to enlightenment you can imagine as being a method to sort of thin away this shell and make it more and more transparent. Because once you do that, not only do you start seeing reality exactly as it is without a filter, you also don't have something to distract you from your own soul and from God. And that's what the ego is. It's this big distraction. At times I imagine like a jester juggling thoughts in your awareness. For example, you might have the thought appear. um, You know, I haven't been productive today. And then another thought will follow and maybe argue with it and say, no, I have been, you know, I'm just doing my best. I had a rough week or whatever, or might succumb to that thought and say, yeah, I've been really lazy, but that back and forth of those thoughts isn't even you. It's just the ego talking to itself and pulling your awareness to to attach to it. So you don't even know you're thinking, you're just caught up in the thought. And what I'm saying might sound strange. And the only way to I've discovered to really understand this difference is through meditation, because as you can imagine, if you are this ball of light peering out, when you sit to meditate, probably for the first time in that day, you're actually viewing your ego, and you're viewing these thoughts you're like, like, holy crap, this thing just keeps talking. And it sounds like maybe doing the wrong thing, because I shouldn't be having so many thoughts, I'm trying to meditate. But that's what happens in the very beginning you're gonna have thoughts about your day lighting up in front of you about your past or just all over the place but the more you observe the thoughts with detachment and without getting trapped into them and caught up in like the the turbulence of all these different you know modes of thinking then you can then focus on your own soul and it's an intuitive perception when you achieve this state And when you started perceiving your own soul, you notice that it's really calm. It's not really saying much, It's just really loving and intuitive. And then you go back to this ego. And it's just like nonstop separation, judgments and putting everything in a box. And it's a lot of black and white thinking. And it's just a mess. And when you begin to meditate more and more, well, then you get to perceive your soul, and you're like, okay, this is how the soul is, and then you go back to reality with your normal life, and you see the ego, you're like, okay, this is how the ego is, and it's that, like like a wedge is being driven between the two, and you start to really realize, like, my goodness, most of the thoughts in my day is just the ego, just talking, and one of the most unnerving experiences in my life was to observe a thought with complete detachment, I didn't get caught up in it. And it just kind of propagated on its own, it just kept going. And I was like, like, I'm not thinking that thought, it's just moving on its own. And it begs the question, you know, how much control do we really have over all these thoughts? Like if I sit down to meditate, I wanna not have thoughts for five minutes, why is that so difficult, right? And in that difficulty, you can give yourself compassion because it's not easy. To observe these thoughts. I've met monks who've been doing this for decades and they still get caught up in a lot of thoughts as they prep to meditate. So it is a process. But this ego is what's inducing so much separation between your soul and, and reality and yourself and other people. And it's like I said, it's this mental construct that causes you to think you are it And most of my life, I never knew I was thinking I was just the thoughts and I would vent inside my head all the time from high school to college and med school just non stop venting and seeing everything really, really filtered through my ego through this shell. And I've been on the path now of of Kriya yoga and meditating twice daily um, for, for many hours. And I have noticed that this shell in front of my soul, surrounding my soul has thinned and my attachment to it is a lot less. But at times it feels like you might be regressing because you start becoming more and more aware of your ego when you never have in the past. And that's normal to feel a bit overwhelmed. And I just want to give a practical example of what the ego can do and how it can kind of ruin a moment or your entire day. So imagine uh, you're at the gym, and you're on like the leg extension machine, and you've just done a couple sets, and you're just sitting there resting between you know, the next one, and someone comes up to you with a lot of anger and says, hey, will you hurry up? I need to use that machine. Okay? <laughs> Some of you might even be upset just hearing that example, but... What comes next is probably from the ego. For example, one might say negative things about this person and judge them for being so rude. Uh, The other thing the ego might do is be very petty and say, oh, now I'm gonna take even longer. (laughs) Because like this person walked away, right? You did not even have a chance to say anything. They're just like gone. Now you're just stuck with your thoughts. And the ego might say, nope, I'm gonna take even longer now just to spite this person. And the thing is, is like, if, if these thoughts come into your head, It's not your soul talking. Your soul doesn't talk like that. That's the ego. And then you become that thought. Now you're annoyed. And now you want to maybe be petty or or try to teach this person a lesson, right? Because that's the ego. I want to teach the whole world a lesson. When it's not out of love, it's because it wants to control and control its environment and what's happening around it. But if you just observe that thought, you can laugh. Like, it's silly. (laughs) Look how worked up the ego gets. And I'm not saying we need to accept abuse from other people, or to, you know, tolerate, you know, rude behavior, but it's to not let it ruin our day, right? It's like, finish your set as you would have, don't, no need to rush. And then tell the person smile, yeah, you know, we can share take your to your thing, no problem. That person is frustrated and angry, you don't have to let that rub off onto you. But the ego likes to start wars, because it's bored, and it wants to start drama out of nothing. And like I said, it's very vindictive and petty. And the more you observe it, the more you realize like this thing has been just taking me for a ride most of my life. Because now I understand free will really is being in control of your awareness, not what pops into your head. I guess you could say with time, you are controlling that in a sense, right with more meditation, less thoughts are popping up, and you don't get as caught up in them. But in general, we don't really have control of what's the next thought to enter my mind when I'm just trying to relax right now I'm speaking right I'm consciously choosing what I'm saying but when I go walk down the street usually no, like so many random things just today I had memories from middle school pop in my head I got caught up in them when I was like huh I do remember that time that was like a trip and I was you know partially in it partially out of it but with time you will be able to observe this this voice in your head and realize that a lot of what it's saying has nothing to do with your soul or who you truly are. And back to this statement of it being the false self it's there's constant need to like maintain it that causes us to be so drained and and tired and it's trying to maintain itself and once again it's just grabbing your awareness and pulling you along because We worry so much about how we're being perceived, how others see us, because we want to control how others perceive us. How insane does that sound if you really break it down? I want to control your perception of me, right? That's never going to happen. I can just be my best self. And if you look at the history of all the prophets and saints and yogis, they were the closest with God as anyone could be. And people hated them. (laughs) Like people wanted to literally kill them. Can you imagine right if if we're not even on that level of consciousness and and compassion and love right yet maybe like in this lifetime we will be able to get to that state my point is is that if these prophets who were so close with god so full of love and compassion and wisdom cause people to hate them then what are we shooting for right if they couldn't win everyone over how are we gonna do that And that's, once again, the ego's kind of uh, roller coaster that it takes you on. Like, I want people to perceive me in a certain way. And it leads to people not being their true selves. People pick career choices because their parents tell them, or they pick a certain sort of lifestyle or job because society tells them. And then your soul hurts, right? Because the soul longs for things while the ego desires and craves. And that longing can then be filtered into the ego. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like We are human beings for a reason, but we wanna be more with our souls and less with our ego. We don't wanna destroy the ego, we wanna transcend it, observe it, understand it. And it must be relegated from the role of master to that of servant. Because for most of the world, the ego is the master. It controls your life. And you wanna relegate it to the role of servant that you can Take your soul's higher ideals and put them out in the world and make something of that. But it's a process, right? And I can't say what path will work for you. All I know is for myself, meditation and achieving intuitive perception of my soul has allowed me to then put this wedge between what my soul is like and what my ego is like. And through that, I've developed so much more compassion for people. Because now I hear people say awful things, terrible things, negative things. And I start thinking, but I have those same thoughts, in different ways, of course. And I observe them because I know they're from the ego. And they're saying them out loud or they're acting on them because they don't even know that they're thinking, who am I to judge them when I myself was caught up in thoughts most of my life too? And through that understanding, it's just been... I'm more I'm just less reactive to people I'm not a fully enlightened person of course I still have my days but in general I just I get it you know I see people and I I just I have more understanding now and I like this feeling I don't miss being so angry all the time and being so annoyed with with people and the world and of course there's still so many terrible things happening all over the world I understand that but to be caught up in it and venting about it all the time was not healthy we must be aware of what's going on around us but i found that just tapping more into my soul has led me to feel more calm and at peace with things and you know life doesn't feel so serious like there's serious moments but in general it's like more playful now and more joyful and you know this is i'm speaking about the ego from a more spiritual perspective of course you can look at it from uh, through psychology. And one of my favorite aspects to discuss is what Carl Jung talked a lot about, which is the shadow. And the shadow is that part of ourselves that we really don't want to accept is us. So we relegate it to our subconscious because we don't want to accept that it's there. And that's very unhealthy because, well, there's two main reasons. One is, I mean, any sort of suppression usually doesn't result in a good thing, right? It comes leaking out in unhealthy ways. And the other is that this is what Carl Jung kind of spoke about is that you lose out on a specific power you may have. For example, say we look at the quality of being manipulative, right? We don't want to ever admit to ourselves like I'm a I'm a, I am a manipulative person. It just feels negative, right? But there is harmless manipulative behavior. If I'm playing cards or Uno with my friends, and I want to bluff, I have to bluff in a way where I'm trying to convince everyone at this table that I'm telling the truth, so I am being manipulative in that moment. I'm trying to manipulate your mind to think something that is not true. And that's just a harmless example. Right? It's playful, but there's, there's power in being manipulative in that you know how to read people really well, and you know how to speak in a way that can convince people to think something different, or to change something about themselves. And imagine you realize you have this capacity, and I could argue that most human beings have this capacity to be manipulative, but you don't like that part of yourself. Like, I don't like knowing that I have this ability to manipulate people once in a while. So you just suppress it. But there is beauty in that ability to read other people and to reach them at a deep level because you can be a a positive influence on someone's life. You can be with someone and maybe they're talking about some issue they have in their life and you can kind of read the whole situation and read what their pain is like and help them in a genuine way because you love them and you wanna help them suffer less. But if you just suppress that ability to read people, you're gonna miss out on that beautiful power that you have. And this ties back into one quote I don't mean a butcher, it, but it was from Alan Watts, and he says something like, um, "When you meet somebody who's holy, you can't tell if they're an angel or a demon because they've reconciled their opposites. They've taken every part of themselves and have accepted it as being them, and that it's okay. So it's unnerving to meet someone at that like level of holiness. And it says being holy means to be whole, and I agree." because when you get to these higher states, it's the world changes. And I, just to bring back the prophets, I mentioned like these really high level beings, so full of love and people wanted to kill them. Can you imagine being in front of one of these saints or prophets Like you'd feel nothing but love, but if you have a ton of darkness in you, then that person acts like a mirror. And because they're so whole, their mirror is completely clear. And it causes you to reflect back on yourself with such intensity that you just can't stand it. So the person would rather destroy the mirror than work on themselves. And that's a tale as old as time. And like, just in my life now, I don't really have many idols or people I look up to. The people that I want to be like are these high-level, high-consciousness people. And they've given me that breathing room to see that they were so human in their in their process and in their path and they didn't win everyone over not everyone understood what they were trying to say or achieve and some went to the point of killing them right or trying to at least and that like I said that should give a lot of us peace in knowing that if, if a prophet literally someone like part of God coming down here to like help the world could not win everyone over like <laughs> You see how futile that is? It's just, there's no point. Let that go. And when the ego want, that's the thing that's tricky about the ego that I found. The thoughts are not always verbal in your mind. It can be very intuitive. I realized there was a time in my life where I was so hard on myself, but intuitively, if you were to ask me in middle school, high school no, sorry, I was i say med school, that was like the peak time in medical school. If you were to ask me, like, Novus, uh, are you hard on yourself about your studies and about all this stuff? I'd be like, no, of course not. But that was not true. There were never verbal thoughts in my head that were like disappointing thoughts. Like, oh, I didn't study hard enough today. I should have done that. I never thought those kind of thoughts, like verbally. But intuitively, I would think, oh, I should have known better. But it wasn't a verbal thing in my head. It was just like a intuition, like a feeling. Like, oh, I could be doing more and that's what took me a long time to realize that the ego can be far more subtle than just these words in your head. And like I said, it's a process. And the more you begin to understand your own ego, the more you understand the egos of other people. And to tie back to the shadow, I found that you know when we're around loved ones or people we've been around for a very long time, including family, Uh, It's a good example of seeing some of your shadow qualities live in front of you because we are like our family and our closest friends in ways that we don't always recognize. And that's okay. And I've come to the point now where whenever I feel off, right, I haven't experienced depression in a very long time. But what I'm talking about when I feel off, like my morning was fine and all of a sudden now i'm just like out of it i don't feel well like something mentally is just feeling weird it usually means something is clearing right there's some old thought this dense energy that's arising and it needs to be cleared and before i'd be annoyed where the ego would be annoyed like why am i feeling this way i was just feeling okay literally last night like why why can't i control what this is And now that I'm past that stage of constantly trying to control all that, I just observe it. I'm like, huh, something's clearing right now. It's best to be mindful moving forward. And then it clears. And then I'm just like right back to what I was doing and feeling. And there is a Sanskrit term called the samskara. In Pali language, it's sankara. And my understanding now is the samskara is a spiritual imprint and it can be a part of your body and it's like stored energy, you can say like stored emotions from certain experiences, like if you don't feel a, a particular event in its entirety, which is hard to do a lot of the time, it kind of stores in the body in ways. And from a biological perspective, we know like with, with PTSD, right, post-traumatic stress disorder, um, you know, the nervous system changes, right? We experience a horrific car crash. And the next time, like months later, we see a similar car and our heart races and our blood pressure rises and we feel that adrenaline rush, right? There's changes happening in the body from a biological level. And then psychologically, obviously, your mind is just running rampant with thoughts. And then from the spiritual side, it would be described as a samskara. And from my understanding to, to really purify a samskara is to observe it with detachment and without judgment and see it exactly as it is. And let whatever emotions arise to, to rise up and then just be with it as um one buddhist nun taught me in that uh, a thought in pure awareness has nothing to rub against right there's no friction it just kind of fizzles itself out so i found especially in meditation a lot of these samskaras come out right they, they rise up and they're ready to be cleared and that's why it's so difficult in the beginning because you're not used to doing that you're not used to observing your ego and all this energy and thoughts arising And I read one article where a girl was saying like, I don't believe meditation's for everyone. Every time I try, I just keep experiencing like all these horrific things from my past and I feel for her, I get it. Like it's a process to get to that stage of just being so open to that vulnerability of yourself and allowing that stuff to clear. For me now, it's like a challenge. It's It's like exciting in a way. Like I want to purify all this old energy out of my system. That way this shell in front of my soul can be as thin as possible. I can be less identified with it and be more peaceful in my life. And that's why I'm saying like whatever path you find, whatever you choose to do, you know, just do your best. It's very common to try five, six, seven different methods of meditation or mindfulness till you find one that you love. Same happened to me before I found Kriya Yoga and that's been the one that resonates best with my soul. And it's been very just such, such a meditation-heavy practice, which I, which I needed personally. And like I said, now in my day, I feel that these samskaras rising. And sometimes there's themes. Like today I noticed the theme of today of clearing some stuff was guilt. Because I had several thoughts that all revolved around the topic of guilt. And even something happened today, like I'm in Dehradun, India... And I was walking, and you know, there's always people that might because I stand out, I'm like wearing you know, gym clothes and gym shorts. People don't really wear shorts that much here, and people will come find me and sometimes harass me, sometimes be polite about it. And just to let you know, if you come to India, you're not gonna save everyone here, so give what you can. Like, I love to give food out, and then there's some people that um, you know, there's people who are begging because they need it. And then there's honestly people that will, you know, like rent out their newborn child to their friends or other people and use them to get more money and things like that happen. And it tugs at your heart because you just can't reconcile it completely. For example, uh, this was my first time in India. I was in a little tuk-tuk like cart thing and I see a woman on the sidewalk and she has a young boy, maybe like five or six years old. And she painted like clown makeup on him And he's crying. And he's not crying because she's, like, making him learn, like, to cry and get attention. No, no, he's, like, doesn't want to do what he's doing. And she pushes him, like, out onto the street. And he's kind of, like, doing this dance to, like, beg for money. And he comes up to my cart. And I'm just staring. (laughs) Like, I'm just, like, I can't even process what I'm feeling because he doesn't want to be there. He's crying. And his mother's making him do this. And if I give him money, it's, like, encouraging this behavior from the mom like she's learning okay if we keep doing this we'll get more and more money if i don't give him money i'm looking a five-year-old kid in the face who's crying and telling him no (laughs) like it's not easy right i ended up giving him a little bit of money and i didn't feel well about it and something like that happened today too and my point is is that today's theme of clearance was guilt and i find that interesting when that happens it's almost like my morning thoughts involved guilt and then in my day I attracted an experience that was you know, caused me to feel more guilt. And once I, you know, snapped out of that, you know, I was sucked into the thoughts obviously of my past and then that moment that happened today, and then I realized what was happening. I was like, Oh, I need to just focus and, and stay present, it's okay. It's a good thing when a cluster of these samskaras, these old energies, these old experiences are arising. There's nothing wrong with that. And when the thoughts from my past would pop in in my mind, and they involve like guilty experiences, I just observe them with detachment and I would feel the emotions again. Like, oh yeah, I remember that. And I wouldn't judge myself for what happened. And that's something that I've had a hard time with. Like, man, like how did I not know better then? I didn't. I was just who I was in 2017 or 16 or whatever. I knew the best that I knew then. How am I going to judge my past self from, you know, five, six, seven years ago compared to who I am today? It's not It's not right. It's not being kind to yourself. And like I said, these guilty thoughts arise and I popped out of them and I observed them. I let them fizzle out. We don't want to suppress our thoughts. We want to give them room to breathe. It's like let the ego breathe. And that's something that I've loved to discover in that The fatal flaw of the ego is that every time it presents you with a thought, it's leaving itself vulnerable to not only be cleared in that moment, but to pick up like this refinement of your awareness, right? We want to refine our awareness and have it be more focused. And we live in a time where our awareness is all over the place. Like on my phone, I can go through social media and Reddit and experience 10 different emotions in like two minutes. (laughs) It's not normal. To experience that and I can look at news all the way in Sudan and Africa of some terrible thing that happened it's like there's so much going on in the world and I can go like I said from school I can go from happy to sad to jealous to angry to disgusted in a minute right that's it's not healthy in my opinion to experience that all the time but I get it when we're having a rough day we want to just sort of like shut off our brain and switch to TikTok or something else to just kind of zone out But there's a big difference between meditating for an hour and watching TV for an hour. In both situations, you could have very little thoughts. You can argue even with TV, you can have zero thoughts, right? But that's effortless. It's really easy to just passively do that. But there's something, in my opinion, that can be dangerous if we do that too much or in excess in that we lose that refinement of our awareness. Our attention span lowers and meditation becomes like this impossible feat. That we think we can never do and when we refine our awareness that allows us to be more in tune with our soul and meditation to be mindful out in the world because once again if this shell that surrounds the ego fades away you are then free to observe your soul and then you're also free to look at the world around you and be so immersed in it because you no longer have this filter and i find it interesting that when i used to experience depression this is back in med school, I always said to myself that I feel laminated today, not that the world is laminated that I myself feel like I have extra layers like I can't touch reality as as I normally could. And I looking back, that was the ego. That was more in my ego when I was depressed, which is f- totally acceptable and normal, like I'm not going to judge myself for that. And that's what all that rumination was. When I used to just sit in, in bed and just my mind would run about so many things in the past, that was some of that old energy trying to clear itself. But I didn't know any better. I didn't know how to just detach myself and observe that stuff. I just suffered. It felt like mental torture. And now I'm so many years ahead of that. And now when these, you know, mild experiences of, of like mental anguish appear, I know just to observe that something is clearing, something is processing that I didn't really experience fully in that moment whenever it happened, and that's okay. And like I said, I noticed in myself, I'm far less reactive, I'm more calm, And there's a less of like a delay between experiencing, say, someone being rude or some terrible thing I'm hearing or seeing and then giving the compassion. The thoughts still arise of me being petty or trying to be rude back or start a fight or whatever. But that quickly subsides. And I'm just like giving compassion and I'm just seeing this person for who they are and what they're experiencing. Because, you know, deep down, my soul knows what their soul is going through. Like this person at the gym Coming up to me and yelling at me, hey, get off the machine, right? My soul knows that they're not in a good place. That the ego is like, screw this guy, right? (laughs) He just wants to like fight. And it's your call. Like, if you want to continue living like that, like, do you? I'm not judging you. Like, I get it. It's, it's, there's something exciting about constantly trying to like fight and go to war with every situation. And there's beauty in that too. Like, the soul wants autonomy, the soul does not want to be abused like if you're part of God why would you accept abuse you wouldn't the issue is is like the constant venting and the anger and the hatred that's that's harming your spirit in my opinion and I haven't reached the stage yet but to go back to the analogy with the white orb in the shell I've had it where the shell is gone right technically it's probably still there right remember it's not a physical thing the ego this is just my analogy but That shell is still there. My awareness is like, I don't see you, right? You're invisible. And then I'm with my soul. And when I hit that stage, it's like bliss. And so much love and joy and intuition. And life just makes sense without even having to hear an explanation. And I feel completely understood without having to explain myself. One of my favorite experiences. And there is a term, another Sanskrit term for samadhi, which is where your consciousness literally merges with God's. And my understanding is if we're all individual points of God's consciousness, right, I'm this one white orb of light, and I'm one point of his consciousness, well, I imagine like he's at the top, and it's just his whole being is just spread out to all of us, right? And when you switch your awareness to this white orb to your soul, you can go further than that, you can begin to rewind and go all the way back to source, right, which is to me like an insane thing to accomplish and I hope to do that one day. And if you can bring your consciousness all the way back to source and to cosmic consciousness, well that's samadhi. And apparently like the prophets and the yogis and these higher level people could not only achieve that state, you know, sitting down in meditation or prayer, but they could do it walking around. And that's the most difficult thing I found. Like I'm at the stage now where when I meditate, I feel I'm with God in my soul and I feel amazing and, and, and peaceful and full of love. And then the moment I get up and begin moving around and I'm active again, the thoughts come right back. That's the purpose of meditation, right? Is to forget the body. That's why so much of the prerequisites I do now is to release tension from the body, calm everything down, and then I can get out of my physical body and take my awareness and go higher And to achieve that, like, say, while running or working out or doing activities is really difficult. But once you begin to achieve it in meditation, then you can then bring it into your, you know, your normal life. And, you know, just play with what I'm saying, with what I'm sharing. There's uh, nothing serious about it. But like I said, it's really unnerving when you begin to observe your ego and hear all its thoughts. And it's just like nonstop. It's, It's comical at times. And... Like I said, it's not easy, and it is a huge process. And that's what the purpose of this podcast is, right? It's a series for transcending the ego. And I am not a fully enlightened person, (laughs) believe me. But I'm trying, and I hope to go higher and higher because I like this journey that I'm on, and I like the stuff that I'm learning, and I like being in India, as I am now again. And there's something special about the energy here, right? It's not constant bliss you see a lot of messed up things and that's okay it's it's humanity but it's it's like it's effortless teaching that's how i see it here it's like you pick up these lessons just being out in the world and there's a big difference between going to a restaurant and going to the gym in india versus back in america where i spent most of my life and you know i hope to just share most of what i'm learning because i didn't have a lot of people to tell me this stuff you know, even I did uh, about a year and a half, two years of therapy when I was going through that really tough time with the depression, and my therapist didn't discuss the ego that much at all, actually. And I realize now that's been one of the most important pieces to this journey and to understanding myself and how reactive I used to be and the depression and the elation and all that stuff. And all I can ask, you know, for those listening is to just play with what I'm sharing Right? Try to observe your thoughts. See how difficult it is to just go five minutes without being caught up in a thought. I'm not saying go five minutes without a thought popping up. We can't control that once again. I'm saying go five minutes without being caught up in a thought. Another analogy I'd like to share is at times when my mind is racing, I imagine myself I'm like on a river bank and that, you know, the, the torrent of water that's just flooding by is my thinking mind. And it's very enticing to look at. And at times I just dip one little toe in and it just sucks me in, right? And I'm caught up in the thought and I totally forgot what I was trying to do. And now I'm just like completely wet and in it and I can pop myself out and I'm just like, okay, I'm not doing that again. And the next moment I'm right back in it again, right? Over and over and over again. And like I said, when you begin to meditate, it's like that river is still there, but you've decided to turn around and walk away from it. That's the best way I can describe it. And you don't hear it rushing anymore, and now you're just kind of hearing other things, like the birds chirping, and just being that little bit of breeze hitting you. And when you hit these states where there's no ego in the way, you, you just, everything makes sense. You no longer even have questions. You're just like, I just want to be in this, you know? And I've had it in these deeper states, like my higher self's like, you know, it's a very intuitive thing, but Like, is there things you want to know or understand more? In my mind, I'm like, nope totally fine I just want more of this like just keep this going for as long as possible and I've I've been really struggling to carry that into my day honestly I achieve it pretty much every time when I meditate but to carry it in my day that's been my new challenge right I have like a 30 minute walk to my gym and I'm just trying to go for like 10 minutes of it without being caught up in a thought and that's still challenging it's just that act of walking and there's so many cars honking and there's so many things and like i said you think with all that distraction in the world around me i'd be easier to not think but no because it like bounces off of my mind and i think more so it's a process but like i said it's it's helped me to be you know i'm not as reactive anymore I don't vent as much in my head, and I constantly catch myself thinking. That's why I feel like I've regressed sometimes. I'm like, man, I keep thinking, but I'm like, I've never noticed this before. That's why it's so tough. So if that's happening to you on this path, it's okay. It's normal, right? The more you detect your ego, the more you realize how annoying it is, and it's just nonstop. And, you know, just be kind to yourself. And I think that's my favorite thing. Um, I guess you can say reward for this path is the compassion I have for other people. I just keep, people will say things or I'll experience things and I'm like, what is it that their soul is trying to say to me that their ego is interfering with, right? And to see things like that has made me feel so much more peaceful. You know, like I could see someone being jealous of another person, right? Like a couple or whatever, and they're jealous of each other or something happened, And that, well, their soul loves the other so much, which is fine, which is great. But their ego that is unchecked is very clingy and possessive. And that's where the jealousy is being, you know, it's where it's arising from. And they don't even know that. (laughs) They're just in it, right? Because most people don't know their thinking. Most people haven't been able to observe their own thoughts. But meditation has been the biggest one for me to really, really see this contrast. And like I said, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Like, what is it that their soul is trying to say or trying to do that their ego is just getting in the way of, right? And, you know, when you see people in positions of power, people who are famous, right? They're on a path where they cling even more strongly to their ego. And it's no wonder you see so much darkness come out too, right? Because if a shadow is a part of everyone's ego, and you get placed, you you don't have to even be a celebrity, you can just be promoted at your job, right? Now you're from assistant manager to manager, even like that can cling you to your ego and bring out this darkness, right? So any sort of path or life situation that causes you to cling more to your ego will mean some of that darkness might come out more as well. But if you're aware of it, it clears. That's what's key. You know, once again, free will is being in charge of your awareness and not which thoughts are popping up. And the more you refine your awareness, the more peaceful your life will be. But it is a process. And like I said, this is my understanding of the ego now. And I wanna make things clear because this is the first episode of this podcast, in that, you know, our definitions of things change. Like our life experiences refine what we know and what we understand. This is what I understand today, and things might change. I haven't noticed anything like dramatically shift what I already know, but there's been like tweaks, right? I still catch myself using black or white thinking, being kind of extreme in certain opinions, and I still catch those things happening to me. But in general, I've noticed just my definitions and my analogies are becoming more refined and a lot simpler. So bear with me, you know, as this series progresses, because I might have said things in this episode that might be a bit different on episode four or five, who knows? And that's okay. I think there's a lot of trouble in the world where we keep so many receipts on people, right? Like, what did you tweet five years ago? I have this text message from a year ago. Like, personally, I clear all my texts like all the time. I don't keep conversations. I don't think that's healthy. I don't need to remember exactly what you said four days ago. That isn't... I guess for certain, obviously, lifestyles, you need to know these things for business or whatever. But in general, I found like not keeping receipts on people is just like clears you up in your mind, you know? And even with journaling, like in, in my book, you know, I I shared a lot of journals and I cleared a lot of them, most of them actually from that time, because there's something I think negative about over-reflection, right? If we've processed a samskara or an old life experience, and we bring it back into our awareness after we've already processed it, then we can create new issues and new energies, right? Because the mind is very creative. And these mental fantasies can be very negative. So once we feel like we've cleared something and really processed it, let it be. You'll find that's really easy to do because once you fully process something, it doesn't pop into your mind anymore, right? Because you can think of a samskara, once again, these spiritual imprints, as being sort of as it increases the propensity to think about certain thoughts right once again you have this shell in front of you and certain parts of it will be lighting up like today my theme was guilt right which means maybe one section of that shell is lighting up together and it consists of like seven different memories and then one more today of the experience i had with the person that i was talking about before so that's like eight things came together that i needed to clear all at once and if I didn't know any better, I would think today kind of sucked having to like think about all that. But knowing what I know now, I felt relief. I'm like, yes, like something big is clearing today. That's awesome. That means once this is cleared, moving forward, life's going to be more seamless. And when I start seeing life that way, I don't feel negativity when I have these random, you know, hours or days of feeling like a lot's on my mind, where I just feel more dense and like kind of heavier than normal now when i catch myself doesn't i I don't realize it right away it's usually after my morning meditation i'm like oh wow something is, is is going on today something is clearing within and that's okay and that's what breaks my heart with most people in the world not only are not trying to clear stuff they're just constantly stacking more and more and more as we say when we meet someone like you know they have a lot of like emotional baggage right that term really has a lot of accuracy to it because it's like they're very heavy. They have so much stuff from their past and it's affecting their current life. And, you know, for example, you can see somebody who has a pattern of being in abusive relationships, whether it's platonic friendships or romantic relationships, and you don't understand, like, why do they keep getting themselves in this situation? And I could argue that some scars are a big part of that, for example, say we have a young woman who has been abused by her first boyfriend. And this was maybe she was like in her late teens, early 20s. And, you know, it was a whole new life experience for her. And she experienced a lot of negative behavior. She didn't know any better because this was her first time being with somebody. And she didn't really process a lot of that. Maybe at times she felt frustrated or angry or upset and suppress some of these emotions to not upset the person to not make him more reactive or whatever. And so that stuff suppressed inside of her and she hasn't found the self worth yet to realize that she doesn't deserve to be abused by anybody and that she can have loving relationships with people and have a beautiful life. And then they break up, right? And some of these energies have stayed inside of her. These patterns, these samskaras, these imprints, and they can be cleared. With meditation and and doing these this deep deep soul work but a lot of the times these like core i would say these very deep rooted imprints need to be cleared with real life experiences as sad as that is at times that's just the way it is and so she finds a new boyfriend maybe a year or two later and similar pattern maybe not as bad maybe worse who knows and it's it's this energy inside of her that needs to clear it's like it's attracting its energetic counterpart out in the world with this new partner and it needs to clear she needs to know it's okay to feel upset and frustrated and feel angry at someone she loves for mistreating her and maybe once that energy is clear she still might have a third boyfriend come in the mix and this time she lets it immediately out anything she's feeling and says you know what i'm not tolerating this crap anymore and is done with this person in the first few weeks of dating them. And through that process, she's healed, right? She's cleared herself of this. But if you don't know any better, you can fall into a negative kind of feedback loop and get worse and worse in relationships, more abuse. And it sounds really cruel. Like why would the universe have these negative positive, sorry, these negative loops, right? That put you in these spiral of just worse situations. Well, you can't have these negative loops without positive loops as well. So when your life starts to get better, right, the positive things begin to stack from from eating, you know, healthier foods and exercise and meditation and better relationships and more community kind of uh, based activities and connecting with people. That's a positive feedback loop, right? And then there's a negative loop from the other direction. You can't have one without the other. It's just the way it is. But once you have the knowledge that, you know, certain experiences can really, really imprint inside of us it makes sense why we could attract similar situations and I found that in my own life you know I've had some unhealthy friendships in my life and in the beginning it was hard to step out of that because I just I don't know I was more I guess patient is the wrong word it was just trying to be non-reactive but in a more suppressed way that's the best way to put it And I found that over time, the point between meeting the person and the friendship and ending it happened sooner and sooner because I was learning lesson quicker and quicker. And looking back, I can see these some scars because I had the emotions of frustration and and anger and, and feeling so hurt by people that I loved who would not treat me in the best way and in time that stuff has cleared to the point where I wouldn't tolerate even a minute of that (laughs) from anybody. And that's coming from a spiritual lens too. It's like, I feel so one with God when I meditate, why would I ever choose to be abused? Or would I ever allow things like that to happen to me anymore? And if you were to ask me, but like, why in the past did I sustain these unhealthy friendships? I mean, there's so many reasons, right? Being depressed, feeling lonely, feeling like, this is just okay, right? I don't wanna judge this person, they're just who they are. Not knowing that it's okay to step out of these unhealthy relationships and find that inner peace because it's really tough to heal when you're still in it. Right? And I've touched on this before and in, in past things I've shared in that, if someone is say, say you have, it's hard to quantify these things, but just say in a friendship or a relationship, it's like 90% toxic and 10% is just like joy and awesome times, even when that friendship ends, like that 10% was awesome. It's okay to long for that time, it's okay to still miss that person. And then the ego wants to fight with itself, like, how could I miss them? I'm so pathetic, I have no self worth. they can start judging itself and take you along for that ride, right? But no, the black or white thinking can be so damaging, right? We have to accept because I think most people have experienced this, whether it's family, friends, or a partner, that at times we have loved someone who didn't treat us the best way that, you know, we deserve to be treated. And that's okay. There's no need to judge ourselves to just give that compassion. Because if, if that memory is upsetting you today, that's a good sign, in my opinion, because that means you wouldn't tolerate it anymore. You learn the lesson. And just going back to this example, with this young woman being abused with three different boyfriends, you know, in a sort of positive loop by getting more and more out of it with each subsequent relationship. How come she did not learn it after the first one or the second one, right? These things take time. Some lessons we learn effortlessly. Some might take decades to learn and that's okay. You know, when I've met people who've had friendships for like 30 years and I meet them and they're not the best friends. They're actually kind of vicious to one another. And I just feel sad. You know, it's like they haven't escaped. They haven't learned that lesson yet. And all I can do, like, how do I raise the consciousness of another? If they're not trying to hear anything about this, all I can do is just love them as they are, right? Love is a very powerful way to raise someone's consciousness because, once again, consciousness is being aware of your soul, right? The higher you are, the more you are with your soul, and the lower you are, the more you are with your ego. So just love people as they are. Don't tolerate any abuse from anybody, no matter what, and just try to see people's souls and not their egos. And the more you understand your own ego, the more you'll give compassion to the people around you and realize all that reactivity is a waste of energy. And it's, it's, it's nice to just be more loving, right? I'm not at the stage of a prophet yet, but can you imagine if you can give unconditional love to everyone you see and meet, how happy you'd be, how joyful you'd be, right? just to give that love and compassion all the time I can only imagine I have it in small spurts when I see things and, and being in this country of course and I can only imagine if I could sustain it that's like I said this is a series for transcending the ego maybe on episode 793 I will achieve it <laughs> but this is episode 1 and I like how this is going already and um yeah this is pretty much the format moving forward um just kind of cover one topic at a time whatever feels right in the moment or in that day and i'll try to release these you know fairly consistently and uh yeah well thank you so much for tuning in um i hope some of what i shared helps helps you in your own life And I hope that you find your own spiritual path that can raise your consciousness as high as it can go and that you can spread love to everyone you see and and know. Um, Thank you once again for listening, and I'll see you guys on the next one.